We're ready. Take your seats. Uh, get out your notebooks. Um, I really pray that today there will be something in what I say that will be useful to you, um, but more importantly, will be uh, a blessing to the heart of God. And uh, thank you very much to the leaders for extending your trust to me um, to speak to you this morning. Um, as Lou mentioned last week, at the end of 2020, the leaders got together and really sought the face of God. What's next for Sunny Hill? And it wasn't about what's next for Sunny Hill. It was what's next. And it was just Jesus. We knew, we knew that we knew that we wanted to worship Jesus, sing songs about Jesus. And we've done that this morning. We knew we wanted to speak about Jesus. And we knew we wanted to remember him as we took communion together. Um, so it's, it's, it's about not so much a series as in a Just Jesus series. It's about actually transforming our mindset, transforming our worldview, so that Jesus is our all in all. Thank you. He's our everything in every aspect of life. Jesus is our all in all. So this is not a series. This is a worldview, and we're looking to adjust ourselves to the reality of what it knows, what it means to follow Jesus and to know him. Um, so we're going to have a look at a scripture today. It's from Philippians, towards the end of your Bible, one of Paul's letters, Philippians 3, verses 7 to 11. Um, so if you've got a Bible, feel free to open that or the words will come across the bottom of the screen. But I always like to have my own Bible because you can highlight bits and, and do little notes. And if you do it electronically, you can be really clever and come back to them uh, whenever you like. So here we go. Philippians 3 verses 7 to 11. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Not hearing so many amens about the death and suffering bit, but there you go. And so somehow, somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. And we're going to be looking this morning, particularly at verse 10. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. We're going to be looking at those three points as we go through this morning. And um, I was inspired, of course, by uh, our senior pastor, Dom, last week, who used a spelling mistake in the title of his sermon. Um, so we, we had a preach called Stormy Seas, S-double-E. Um, this week, we've got another spelling mistake, and it's this. No pain, no gain. Knowing pain, knowing gain. Yeah, it's great. It wasn't mine, actually. It was Adam's, but there you go. <laughs> mine were really, really boring titles, and he came up with that, so thank you. Okay, so our first point, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Now, last week, our three-year-old Eliza came up to me and she said very solemnly, Mummy, we don't know Rudolph. And I can't say I was giving it a great deal of thought, so I kind of reassured her, it's okay. We know some things about him. It's enough. And she said, yes, yes, we do. We, we know that he's got a red nose. We know his name. We know that he belongs to Santa and he helps deliver the presents. But she insisted, but mummy, we don't know Rudolph. <laughs> now, <laughs> Eliza hasn't been to school yet, but the day is coming. And in a few years from now, thanks to her Greco-Roman Western education, 
she will understand that knowing something means having a heap of facts, maybe a few opinions to compare and contrast, and that if she's able to construct some kind of concise, articulate paragraphs about that particular subject uh, in an exam, then she will be told, you have good knowledge. Well done, Eliza. Have a nine for your GCSE exam. Um, if we ever get exams again, right? Yeah? Okay, um, apologies to the year 13s and 11s. I, I understand your pain. Um, the Bible, uh, not the Bible, the dictionary, has two different definitions of this word to know, what it means to know. Um, the first one is to be aware of through observation, inquiry, or information. And the second one is to develop a relationship through meeting and spending time with someone. And it doesn't take much brain work to know that knowing Jesus, knowing Christ, as it says at the beginning of verse 10, isn't the first sort. It's not having facts about him. You know, he was 30 years old when he started his ministry. He was Jewish. Uh, he was baptized in the River Jordan. Knowledge and facts is not what we're talking about here. Knowledge of Christ definitely means the second definition, yeah. um, to have developed a relationship through meeting him. Yeah. It's uh, an experiential knowledge, uh, what they call an empirical knowledge, to know Christ by going through the ups and downs of life with him. Um, and I could try and make this idea of uh, knowing Jesus accessible by saying, well, it's a bit like you might know a really good friend by hanging out with them and, and spending time with them. But the knowledge that Paul is talking about in I want to know Christ um, goes much further than spending time. Um, it goes infinitely further, in fact, than the human experience of knowing, knowing your parents, knowing your children, even knowing your spouse. Um, this word that's translated as know in I want to know Christ is this word, gnosko. Okay, you may say it. Fantastic. And you may say it in a Russian accent. I think it suits a Russian accent. Okay, Genosko. Genosko. Yes, but it is a Latin language, so perhaps it's a bit more flamboyant. Genosko. Yes. <laughs> Apologies. And that even puts Nicolas Cage to the... Uh, anyway. Um, but it's the same word, Genosko. It's the same word that Paul uses when he prays for the Ephesian church. And he says, I want you to know the height, depth, and breadth of the love of God, which surpasses human knowledge. This is gnosko. It, it surpasses human knowledge. Um, it doesn't mean memorizing facts to know Christ, but it also goes way beyond the way that we might know one another in a human context. Okay, Knowing God is not something we do with our time. Knowing God is to receive his self-revelation. Yeah? But how can we do that? How can we receive? How can we go deeper into this idea of what it means to gnosko know Christ as he reveals himself to us? It, it takes us actually into the realm of what philosophers call epistemology, which is how do we know anything? Uh, and philosophers would ask questions like, can we know anything? Can we trust our senses? Uh, can we trust our intellects, the architecture of the brain. Can we even trust the times that we live in? There was a time when we knew that the earth was flat. And now most people who don't spend a lot of time on YouTube would say <laughs> that the world is not flat. But there we go. Uh, in fact, philosophers might well say that we can't know anything. But 
The Bible is clear in thousands of places for so many thousands of people they were able to know Christ in their experience before, during, and after he walked on this earth, they were able to know him, at least in part, and more and more so as they experienced him in life. So we have to ask ourselves, how? I know I keep saying, asking another question. How are we supposed to experience Christ through his self-revelation, because in the Bible, every, every case is different. Should I know Christ like Jesus, like um, Peter did when he stepped out of the boat towards Jesus and he kind of uh, threw aside his personal safety and, and his understanding of the laws of physics and, and is that how I'm supposed to know Christ? Am I supposed to know Christ like Abraham did where he gave up his only son and the promise of future generations? Should I know Christ like, um, like Mary Magdalene who, who broke that alabaster box and poured out her worship, her tears, her love to God? Should I even know Christ like the little children who came to him with no prior knowledge, just openness, just willingness to open their minds and hearts to him? How can I know? How can I know for sure? And the questions we need to ask ourselves this morning are not ones of having more information, but they're also not ones of having more case studies. What we need to ask ourselves this morning, what you need to ask yourself is, how can I know Christ? How can you know Christ? Josh, why don't you come over here, because I want to eyeball everyone this morning. How can you know Christ? Because you need to know how you can know Christ. Not him or her or me, but you. And I want to explain this morning that... There is only one context where you can know Christ, and it's in your life. It's in your career. It's in your responses inside to your difficult family members. It's in your thoughts, your circumstances, your feelings, yours. This is where we can know Christ, yeah. and only here. And Great. when you come to Christ for the first time, the Bible explains that it's like we're born again. Um, so it's like everything that we experienced before is in this murky, dark, watery place. And then suddenly, as we know Christ, as we give our hearts to Christ, the world opens up and there is light and there are senses and there are surprises and there are all sorts of uh, potential that we never even imagined existed. Yes, we are experiencing life with Jesus for the very first time. Our human existence starts at the moment of conception and it develops quite positively till we meet our mid-twenties. Um, at that point, it might plateau for a while if we're lucky and then it sort of slopes off a little bit. Wow. Yes. Our spiritual life, our experience with God starts at the moment that we give our lives to Jesus and it starts to develop positively and it continues to develop positively and it continues and it continues until we reach eternity. Before we've come to Christ, we know nothing of what it means to live with Christ. Conversion, it's an important moment, but it's only the first moment. 
we know Christ and more and more so as we experience him. Um, on the May the 13th, 1995, I knew Adam. Um, I thought he was great, so I married him. And uh, yeah, <laughs> But it's been the experience of living with him in the ups and downs and the rough and the smooth that has made me realize I didn't know him at all. He is so much better than, the, than I thought the day I married him. He's awesome. But how much more so God? God is more faithful, more true, more wise, more magnificent, and with a keener sense of humor than I ever knew 27 years ago when I chose to follow him. Now, this hasn't been without confusion. Um, God still surprises me. He's complex. He is not tamed by my desire to have him neat around the edges. Thank you very much. He doesn't bow to me. <laughs> I bow to him. And, you know, we don't really like paradox. We love to sing the lion and the lamb, don't we? Um, but how do we face the lion and the lamb? How do we relate to the lion and the lamb? Is he a lion in the morning and a lamb in the evening? Is he a lion on Tuesday and a lamb for the rest of the week? How do we relate to him? How do we relate to God as the just but merciful judge? How do we relate to him? How do we relate to him as the almighty God who took on the very nature of a servant and became obedient to death on a cross? God is complex and magnificent and we can know him more and more as we, as we walk through life. But we don't get to choose what he's like or how he asks us to live. We get to adventure with him. And if you have not yet signed up for Alpha and you are full of questions, please, please sign up. It is a fantastic place. Um, before you become a Christian, you need to have lots of conversations. You need to think, you need to read, you need to ask questions, discuss, argue, and even pray. But before you know Christ, you know nothing of what it is to live with him, to know him, ginosko him, to know him in your experience. And it means that we need to be open-hearted and open-minded. Um, let's imagine two girls, okay? I'm, I'm going to call the first one um, Temelola. Uh, this is our first girl, Temilola, um, might sit and read her Bible and she's reading that Jesus is her very present help in time of need. And she feels that's a really important verse and she opens her heart and she believes it. And that means that later on when she's feeling lonely, her husband works long hours, she clings to the idea of Jesus is my very present help. And when she's at her work, she's a, she's a teacher and she's teaching the vulnerable years sevens and eights. And the classroom is a weird place at the moment and full of joys, but also full of challenges. And she's learned to just foster an awareness that Jesus is very close to her and his friendship is real. And what else could happen to Temalola? Temalola worships. She worships uh, extravagantly when all of her hopes and dreams have just fallen to the ground because she'd hoped, she'd hoped to have a baby by now and it's not been coming. Temelola absolutely knows Jesus as her very present help in time of need. And then we'll take another girl. We will call her, I can have suggestions from the floor if you like. 
Florence. Okay, so we've also got Florence. Florence also reads that Jesus is her very present help in time of need, and she thinks that's going to be really important to me, so she memorizes it, and she tucks it away at the back of her mind for the day when she knows that her strength is going to fail in the face of unbearable challenges. But of course, that day rarely comes, or maybe never comes. And so Jesus is my very present help in times of trouble remains a bit of a fact in her head. She never really knows. She's, you know, she, her children move through that tricky phase. Um, she, she overcomes her work difficulties. She survives her illnesses. She can always think of someone else who's worse off than herself and her marriage ticks over. So she never really knows Florence, (laughs) that Jesus is her very present help in time of need. Can you say that Temelola and Florence know Christ in the same way? I don't think you can. In fact, I would question whether Florence really does gnosko Christ or even have a working principle, having not believed and accepted and received him in her moments of challenge. We don't have to have a, a, a... dire diagnosis or a you know a roof cave in to rely and know on Jesus it's, Jesus is there for the days of just drizzle as well so would you like to know Christ like that yes you would so stand with me if you would like to let's make this declaration I want to gnosko Christ okay after three one two three I want to gnosko Christ well done okay sit down you can pick up your pens again this brings us on to the second part of the verse uh, verse 10 I want to know Christ yes to know the power of his resurrection what can this mean because we can't all die and be resurrected back to on the earth like Jesus was so if we're going to know the power of his resurrection and by this we mean experience what does it mean it doesn't make sense Or does it? Because if we look carefully, Paul does not say, I want to know resurrection. He says, I want to know the power of Jesus' resurrection. So what was this power? Who, actually, was this power? Romans 8 um, explains that the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and gives life to your mortal body. So, giving life to your mortal body, this is not a verse tucked away at the back of our mind, ready for a rainy day. This is the spirit of Jesus. And knowledge here is to experience the power of the spirit. Jesus' resurrection power is in you from the moment you rise from the waters of baptism. This uh, wonderful uh, event that happens in a Christian's life where... We symbolize the death of the old self and the rising of the new self. And if you haven't been baptized, you need to write into the office at sunnyhill.church and we're going to have to work out how to do that at some point soon. So we look forward to that day. Um, But to experience resurrection is to give up entirely on trying to raise ourselves. Yes, we can't raise ourselves. Otherwise, it's just self-help. And there's plenty of books out there. That is not a relationship and a knowing of the living God. Jesus was humanly dead. He was dead. As fully human, he could not raise himself. But of course, he had his divine spirit. And it was the divine spirit which we've just reminded ourselves lives in our mortal bodies that will raise us up. But it costs. (laughs) What do we need to give? 
to receive the resurrection power of Jesus. And uh, this has been preached about uh, several times across the Just Jesus series. And of course, it's everything. There is one price tag and it's everything. No exaggeration, no exceptions. You don't get to say, accept my children, accept my finances, accept my time, accept the things that I want. The rich young ruler was invited to pay that price and he said no. And he went away sad. Abraham was invited to pay the price. He said yes. He gave up his only son, Isaac, and then received the resurrection power of Jesus as he received his son back. Was it Isaac who was resurrected? No, it wasn't. It was Abraham. Abraham was able to face the rest of his life knowing everything belonged to Christ. And what was passing through his hands was his to steward. Levi, or the gospel writer Matthew, was invited to pay the price. He said yes, he left his tax booth and he followed Jesus, experiencing resurrection power as he became an apostle, a gospel writer, and I understand a martyr. There's this uh, one verse parable that Jesus told called the hidden treasure. I think it's going to come up on your screens. Um, The kingdom of heaven is like a very precious treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid again. Then in his joy, he goes and sells a few things because he's watched Richard's podcast and he's decided to get rid of the stuff that's just in the way. And no, (laughs) he sells all that he has and buys that field, securing the treasure for himself. As Christians, we start by giving up everything to his service. And then God lays opportunities before us as we continue to live that life when we possess nothing, but we steward everything that passes through our hands. Do you want to know the power of his resurrection? Yes. Shall we tell him? Yes, let's stand up. Stand up in the hub. (laughs) Here we go. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Here we go. One, two, three. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Fantastic. Take your seats. So we're going to move on to the last part of this verse. This is the thorny bit. This is the bit that we're all really tempted to gloss over because it just sounds horrendous, crazy, masochistic. But I'm telling you, this is the treasure in the field of mud. When we become a Christian, we accept a big picture, but we spend our lives digging for that treasure. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, here it is, and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I want to become like him in his suffering and death? What? What can that mean? Because if I can only know Jesus in my own life, and I can only know him by giving up everything and stop, stop thinking that I own stuff, how can I possibly become like Jesus in his death when I'm neither Jesus nor dead? So I'm going to do my level best to unpack this in the last few minutes that we have. And if by the end of it, it doesn't make sense, then you can email Phil. uh, Ask him all of your questions. Um, But if it does make sense, you can email me. (laughs) And you can tell me how great Jesus is. Okay, I don't want to know how good I was. You know, (laughs) well, maybe a bit, but there we go. (laughs) Let's, Let's think about this. In order to work out how to become like Jesus in his death, we need to ask ourselves an important question. 
what was Jesus like in his death and suffering? And in Hebrews 12, 2, it's really clear. In fact, Jake prayed this as we were praying before the service. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So this tells us that Jesus, in his suffering and death, was somehow joyful. To become like Jesus means to focus on joy. Now, I'm going to invite the lovely Lou and the lovely Adam to come up and help me with a visual representation. Um, and you, you've got a little, um, little seat just there, which you're going to bring up. Thank you very much, Lou. Looking lovely today, may I say. And here comes Adam as well. Um, so if you just sit there and have a look, that's great. Um, you've got a bowl and a plate there. Okay, and uh, you're going to sit down for a moment so we can see you all. Yeah, and push, if you could just, yeah, well, no, not quite. Actually, it'd be quite nice if you take the take the bowl off the top. You'll see you have a donut. Okay, so that can't be too bad, can it? Uh, yeah, it's not filled with anything nasty. Jammy donut. Okay, and you're going to take one bite. Okay, one bite only, but you can have the rest tomorrow. All right. So off you go. Just just one bite. I feel like I need some music. She's taking the sugar off. Is that to save calories? Or, you know? uh, it, it's a process <laughs> I'm involved in, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, you've taken it right? Yeah. Come on, Lou. Come on, Lou. Oh. <laughs> She's amazing. Seriously? <laughs> well done, Lou. Well done, Lou. So, Lou has taken a bite, and Adam has taken a bite. Okay, let's have a look, Lou, at what you've got left. Okay, thank you so much, Josh. This is what Lou has got left, okay? She, she's having a great time right now. You wouldn't know it from the eyebrows, but she's just really loving her life, enjoying that. Thank you so much. Feel free to, um, to, to move, move along. <laughs> and his, her husband is also doing a nice little bit of film there. And Adam, what have you done? Okay, oh, okay. So Adam has taken a bite, but he's, he's actually eaten the boring bit. And he's left the jam. No. Yeah. But you know what? You know what Adam's got that Lou doesn't? He has tomorrow. got jam tomorrow. Come on. He's got tomorrow. jam tomorrow. <laughs> you have, haven't you? Can I keep this, really? So, you can. You can have it tomorrow. Come on. What joy, what jam, no, hang on. What joy did Jesus focus on? Because I tell you what, it was better than jam. Jesus focused on the joy that was ahead of him, yeah, the yeah. joy that was eternal. Was it his present joy? No. No, it wasn't. It was the future yeah. eternal joy yeah. of reconciling yeah. sinners yeah. Yeah. to the Father heart of God. Um, Jesus embraced his present suffering because he knew that there was a surpassing knowledge, a surpassing joy of saving your soul and mine. Do you know what? This morning I, I, I was remembering who I was before I knew Jesus. And oh, look at where he's brought me to. I'm not going to spend time talking about that another time. But amazing. Jesus knew that his suffering on the cross was accomplishing a beauty and a wholeness that went way into eternity. And so how can we become like Jesus in his suffering and death, we become like Jesus by embracing suffering rather than avoiding it. Uh, many of us think that we can only like Jesus or follow Jesus at best. We don't think that we can be disciples of Jesus. 
Why do we think that? And it's because we have been conned into the con that we shouldn't embrace suffering, that suffering must be avoided at all costs. We think things like, oh, I can't, I can't join that ministry or I can't obey God in that particular way because if I do, my children won't get so much of my time. Or we think, um, I can't say I'm a Christian. It might cost me my reputation or my friends. I can't support the church financially on a regular basis because I'd have to cut down on my other spending priorities. Or, and this is my one, I can't step aside from my to-do list today because if I do, then I won't be able to have my rest and recreation later on tonight. And you notice all of those, they, they, they betray a sense that actually we think we own what we have. Or we'll focus on what we're losing instead of the surpassing joy of what these things are gaining. But if we take this to its logical conclusion, would we rather focus on our suffering? Like in our case, it's been a leaky roof and a leaky floor recently. My children do not always do exactly what I tell them to do. And... Um, yeah, and no one tidies up around here already, right? So if, if we can focus on that, why would we do that when we could actually focus on how Jesus is using our suffering yeah. to make us more like his son in eternity? The joy and the beauty. He works in my suffering for my good so that I will become like Jesus. When we've obeyed every nudge of the Holy Spirit, we can be confident that our lives will serve to create an eternal kingdom. I mean, I live uh, just outside of Ferndown, just outside of Ferndown, which is, I'm sure you all know this, the second largest inland town in Dorset. <laughs> but <laughs> lives are being touched. Hearts are being reached out to. Yes, mercy is being poured out. Souls are being set free. And I get to be part of that. Whether I taste the fruit of that today or I have to wait till tomorrow. Yeah. You've got your jam tomorrow. Uh, come on. <laughs> yes. Jesus' suffering was real, unimaginably horrendous. But Jesus embraced suffering for the surpassing knowledge of what it was to save you and me from our sins that we would live in eternity with him. Yeah. His final words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus endured suffering for our sake. So when we say with Paul that we want to become like Jesus in his suffering and death, we are not saying we want to be crucified. That's bonkers. We're saying that we want to have the same costly attitude yeah. that Jesus had, which was that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Yeah. His attitude was one of eternal joy, not because of the suffering, but despite the suffering and because of what it was achieving. Do you want to be like that? Do you? Yeah, do you? I know you do. <laughs> Last year... I had a full-on, no pain, no gain period of time. Um, Adam had been uh, diagnosed and was having uh, surgery for cancer. Um, so he was self-isolating in the home and we didn't have a prognosis. So, you know, that, that had a whole heap of worries to it. Um, at the same time, we had two um, unaccompanied foster children 
who only knew how to scream yeah. to have their needs met. Okay, they screamed, they knew how to scream and they were screaming, okay, this was screaming. And add on to that, that one of our children was in contact with a confirmed case of COVID, so it was literally against the law for anyone to come and help me. I knew Jesus, okay? I knew just Jesus, only Jesus. And much as I would have loved my mother-in-law to come and help, Barb, you're amazing. There was no way she could match up to knowing just Jesus. So now, when I look at Psalm 46, I know that Jesus is my strength and my refuge, my very present help in times of trouble. And so I will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains tumble into the heart of the sea, I can be still and know that he is God. Psalm 46 is pure joy for me now. And if you've walked with Jesus, you have your verses too. Cling on to them with joy, but reach for more and more because we can know Jesus. So, in conclusion, here's the principle that we need to gnosko know this week. In fact, this life, and I wrote it down. The eternal joy that is ahead gives us the present strength to endure the present suffering. The eternal joy that is ahead gives us that present strength to face the present suffering. So maybe you'd like to stand with me and say the whole of verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Understand? Here we go. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Amen. Thank you very much.